Once your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue. blue, blue, blue. this, this is, the pod, is the for you. pod for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. The smell of victory in the summer. What's up? It's EJ Stewart, Tommy Beer coming at you with another episode of Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast, Odyssey, WFAN original. We have plenty to get to on this episode. We will be talking about the Knicks' first win in the summer league. They got to win over the Orlando Magic Wednesday uh, in Vegas. So we'll break down what happened with that win, what we could take from it, and any impressions we had from not just the Knicks players, but also some of the young Orlando Magic players that we saw two lottery picks played in that game. So it should be fun to discuss that. We'll also talk about the future of Evan Fournier, a man who's been a bit forgotten amongst all the Obi Toppin stuff and all the other trade rumors that have happened. Evan Fournier is still on the scene. So what is the plan for Evan Fournier? Well, uh, we have a report from Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports that came out this week that gave some details on the Knicks thinking on him. So we'll discuss that. Plus, we do another segment of this week in the Knicks history, and this one should be a fun one. We don't got to go back very far to remember this one. Uh, it is this week in Knicks history. The signing of Jalen Brunson. So we'll talk about what we thought about the signing when it happened and what we expect from Jalen in the future. All that coming at you now after this. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So Tommy Beer joins me as always. Tommy, how are you feeling? Do you feel good with a Knicks W now in Summer League? Do you got a little extra pep in your step? Now that the Knicks are no longer winless in Vegas. Hang the banner, baby. Knicks are, Knicks, <laughs> Knicks are back. Knicks are back, in, in the famous words of Omari Stoudemire. Um, in one of the ugliest wins you'll ever see in any basketball game. Um, yep. But, yeah, good for the Knicks to get off the uh, off the schneid, get in the win column. 
um, you know, it means something for those uh, for those kids out there um, hoping to keep their NBA dream alive. So, uh, yes, we have a win to discuss. It may be our last victory to talk about for another three months or so. Um, yeah. But so, uh, so let's enjoy it while we can. Yeah, it didn't look like that team was going to go out there and, uh, you know, route the rest of the teams <laughs> on their schedule, given what we saw uh, in that last game, even the game that they won. But we will discuss that and plenty more. Of course, this is Orange and Blue Bloods. Again, the New York Knicks podcast, audience WFA and original. It's a podcast you can get wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto-download feature on your streaming service to get these episodes every time we drop. Also, be sure to give us a review. Give us a comment. What do you think about the podcast? Make sure you uh, hit us, give us, give us those five stars if you're enjoying the show and hey, give us a review on your streaming service. And make sure you check us out on YouTube. You can catch our full episodes on the WFAN YouTube channel. So make sure you check us out there as well. So talking about this Knicks win. So the Knicks rallied in the fourth quarter against Orlando to get their first win at the NBA 2K24 Summer League in Las Vegas. Knicks erased an 11-point Fourth quarter deficit to take the lead on a Michael Foster layup on the dish from Charlie Brown with seven seconds to go. The Magic then sent the game into overtime on a tip-in at the buzzer from the number six overall pick in the draft, uh, Anthony Black. But the Knicks would outlast Orlando in the extra period with undrafted rookie Jalen Martin scoring the winning bucket. He had 12 points on four for seven shooting. Charlie Brown Jr., who I mentioned earlier, again, led the Knicks with 19. Uh, QG, QJ Peterson. Uh, had 19 points as well. He took 19 shots to get those points, but he did score 19. He had a big three in overtime. And Trevor Keels, Nick's second-round pick uh, last season, had his best uh, day of the summer. He had nine points in this win. So, uh, Tommy, do you feel that it was even important that the Knicks get a win in Las Vegas? I mean, they came into this uh, Vegas Summer League as one of the teams seen as one of the weaker teams. They didn't have any first-round picks on this team. They didn't have any draft picks from this year. Uh, some of the veteran players they have on the team are kind of guys who haven't gotten that much time in the league, with the exception of Isaiah Roby. Um, do you think it was important for this, this Knicks team to actually get a win? These are some guys that, you know, we would assume will be playing in the G League with the Knicks uh, in Westchester. And maybe some of these guys on the two-way deal will actually, you know, get some time on the big squad. Yeah, I mean, obviously you don't want to make too much of it um, as it's, uh, you know, relatively uh... – uh, unimportant in the grand scheme of things, but you feel good right. for the kids out there, you know, the, the, the Keels and the Jalen Martins and, and Charlie Brown, who's been playing well. We'll talk about him in a minute. Um, yeah. It's good just to, you know, again, these, these kids are, uh, you know, it, it may not mean much to us and the million other things that, that we're watching. Um, but, you know, for these guys to wear a Knicks uniform to, to play in an you know, NBA game, even though it's a summer league game um, is obviously an important milestone that, that a lot of these guys have, have you know, have sacrificed a lot to get there. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think it's uh, – and also, um, you know, Coach Dice uh, gets his first win. Um, you know, you, you want him to, uh, you know, get some some confidence under his belt. So, don't want to make too much of it, but uh, to credit where it's due as well. Yeah, I, I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned Dice. That's actually who I was thinking about as well. Like, he is obviously uh, one of Tibbs' right-hand men on the bench. Um, so, he's coaching this team. So, it is nice to see – him find a way to get this kind of ragtag group to play together, play hard, maybe not as smart or as uh, organized as maybe you were like, but they gave the effort. They made big plays late and they played uh, the right way for the most part to find a way to get this win. So yes, definitely happy for Dice, definitely happy for a lot of these kids that were playing. And yeah, I think it was uh, good for these guys to get a win because like I said to me, like I don't see a lot of guys on, on this summer league team that will be contributing much at all on the Knicks big roster, but 
these are guys that will likely be in Westchester. Like at least a good handful of these guys will be playing on the Westchester Knicks. And given who may be sent down there for various reasons, Duke, I don't know, I hope to surprise still not getting sent down there to get time, but if Duke surprise down there, or Jericho, some, someone down there, you know, you want them to be playing with competent players. You want them to be playing with guys who can actually, uh, you know, not, not bring their game down when they get down there. So it's important to have a full, you know, organizational uh, structure in place where you have NBA players or at least competent players throughout. So you wanted to see some improvement. I was happy to see that. Um, I was happy to see Trevor Keels contribute more. He didn't play great um, yesterday, but he played much better than the first two games. He did hit a big three in the fourth quarter. So uh, I, I was happy to see him play a little better. Like I, th- I said, he had to, and I thought he would. Um, but this kid, Charlie Brown, man, I know he's a little older. I think he's 26 years old, but um, he's shown he can shoot the ball. He's shown he's got a really good feel. I think what's been impressive to me is him and Martin's ability to pass uh, as forwards. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're both about six, 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 seven, but they both made really good finds, uh, in the last two or three games, um, along with them being able to score, score the basketball. So I've been impressed with the way Charlie Brown's played. And I, I like what I've seen from young Jalen Martin, considering he's only a teenager. I think he's a, a player that will be nice to follow in Westchester to see how he does next season, assuming the Knicks keep him around. Uh, what did you think of, uh, Charlie Brown and any other players that, uh, played yesterday? Yeah, I, I, same thing. Uh, you know, through the first three games, Charlie Brown's definitely, you know, with Jeff, with Daquan Jeffrey's sideline for the past two games, Brown's uh-huh. definitely been their definitely been their best player. Um, through three games, he's averaging seventeen point three points, uh, six rebounds. He's also been a, a, impactful on both ends of the floor, um, yeah. averaging one point seven steals and two blocks in, in twenty eight point four minutes. Um, and he's been efficient, shooting over fifty one percent from the floor, seventy eight percent from the free throw line. Um, so you know, those are uh, good, solid numbers. Um, you know, and it's sometimes difficult to kind of, uh, you know, put up counting stats in the, in the summer league. Um, but yeah. he's just been impactful, um, you know, wherever he's been on the floor. Um, doesn't try to do too much. Part of that's experience, as you mentioned. Um, 26 years old, um, went undrafted out of um, St. Joseph's uh, 2019. But he's had a couple coffees with four different NBA clubs, played in 41 total NBA games. So, um, you know, we've talked about it. The Knicks have 14 players currently under – under contract for next season, um, you know, that, that 15th roster spot is currently available. Um, we'll see if uh, Charlie Brown gets invited to compete for that final spot. Um, I assume the Knicks would be happy to have him. Um, he may choose, you know, maybe he gets a, a, a two-way contract or, or, or an Exhibit 10 deal, um, you know, with another club or maybe, yeah. a, you know, or maybe a, an overseas. You know, part of this reason these games are so important is this is not only um, trying out for NBA squads, but obviously there's a ton of European international scouts in attendance. Um, so some guys, sometimes these guys parlay positive summer league performances into guaranteed contracts, you know, exactly. 500,000 and a car and an apartment uh, in Italy or Russia or China, wherever the case might be. So, um, we'll, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But yeah, I got to admit that um, Brown has been a pleasant surprise. Um, and and uh, ditto for Martin, um, 19 years old, obviously, um, you know, you, you got to keep expectations in check. Um, but, you know, he's had a, a, a lot more opportunities since Jeffries has been sidelined. Last two yep. games has played better. 
Um, you know, he's actually leads the team in minutes, uh, 29 minutes a game, averaging 13, three and three. So again, you know, a long way from contributing on the NBA level, but as you know, definitely a guy I'll keep my eye on, on some Westchester box scores and try to catch a, you know, the MSG shows Westchester games every once in a while. Um, keep an eye on him throughout this year, see if, um, you know, he can kind of establish himself as he grows into his body and knocks the rust off. Um, but there's definitely some, um, some uh, potential, some intrigue there. You mentioned that uh, that open roster spot that's available for the Knicks. Uh, the reporting came out this week as well that the Jacob Toppin deal is a, a non-guaranteed training camp invite. So uh, they're leaving that roster spot open. Like They're going to allow these guys to basically fight for that final spot. So uh, I would expect unless Charlie Brown does get another guaranteed offer somewhere else or he decides to play overseas, which is, again, very possible given the money he may be offered, um, that he will be invited as well. Um, I assume J.O. Martin would be invited as well, uh, though I think that he'll probably play most of his time in Westchester. And then Toppin will be in that in that situation as well. But, yeah, Charlie Brown, I mean, he's playing with – he's, he's a guy, like you said, he's, he's a little more mature, you could tell, uh, in his yeah. game. And, and you could tell, you know, in how he's – you know, it's funny watching these games. They, they oftentimes, you know, they look like, you know, sometimes AAU summer league games, games that can be very kind of healthy scouts are up and down. So when you see the guy that kind of looks out of place because of how like organized and calm and how efficient he is, and then you look, oh, he's 26. Like that makes sense. Like the age, <laughs> the age gap makes sense in terms of like, wow, this guy, he doesn't seem that frazzled by this very chaotic situation. So um, yeah, I'll be, I'm, I'm going to be curious to see if, if Brown gets a shot. Like again, I, I was impressed with how Jalen Martin has played over the last few days, given his age. I think that he's going to be someone to follow. Um, talking about this game, it was anyone on Orlando that impressed you. I mean, I watched this game and Jed Howard, a guy who I really didn't love that pick. I liked the player in the draft. I thought he went a, a little too high for my liking. I would not take it over Keontae George and Jordan Hawkins, but uh, Howard, I thought really had his best game of the summer. He had a monster first half. Uh, did, did you see anything from him that you liked or any other players in Orlando? I mean, first let, let's let, let's put it out there. The fact that that team with those lottery picks lost to that Knicks team is not a, a positive reflection. No, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, that being said, uh, obviously we're not going to put too much on the results. Um, it was my I, first chance to watch Anthony Black kind of up close this summer. Um, I, I, I would be lying if I said I was overly impressed. Again, you don't want to put too much stock in one summer league performance. It wasn't great offensively, but, you know, well-rounded game. I think he had. Uh, Double-digit rebounds, um, plenty yeah. of assists. So he, you know, he contributes, um, uh, you know, all over the floor, and that, that's kind of what they what they're looking for. Um, we'll see. But yeah, same. Uh, I thought Jed Howard um, was better, um, kind of exceeded expectations that I had from coming in. Um, liked his shot, and obviously, you know, obviously Jawan Howard was in the in the crowd, and they talked to him a bit. Um, you know, you're getting a you know a solid pedigree, someone who knows how to handle himself, someone who's familiar, not going to be awed by the lights, not going to be you know you wouldn't think be out partying yeah. all understands kind of the NBA lifestyle, what it takes. Um, you know, has is, is been around NBA locker rooms his whole life, so um, that is a a big advantage in that in that sense. It's funny. I remember when I was in Vegas, I guess this was 20, I want to say it was 2019 uh, Summer League. It had to be probably the last one before the, before the uh, pandemic. And, you know, it's crazy. Summer League is really fun. I, have you been to Summer League, by the way? I never asked that. I have, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I love the Summer I loved it. I, I think that if you're like a basketball fan, I think you'll really enjoy it. I know people say, do you love Summer League basketball? Like, even though it's only basketball, you'll enjoy being at the Summer League. Because there's so many people there that also love basketball. Like, now they have the NBA convention, the NBA con. NBA con there now, it's, it's, too. 
yeah, you, you definitely should go. It's so much fun if you're an NBA fan. And I remember one of the cool things is, you know, you're sitting in the stands and you never know who you'll be sitting next to. And, like, you know, I'm sitting in a section with my brothers and, like, they cornered it off. But, like, I'm in the stands in the Cox Pavilion sitting next to the Miami Heat contingent. And at that time, Jawan Howard was an assistant coach with the Miami Heat. I'm sitting right next to him, essentially. Going, oh, my God, it's Jawan Howard. And you kind of forget about him as a coach. I'm thinking about him as a, you know, all-star NBA player, of course, member of the Fab Five. But to say that, to say that this is a guy that's not only coached in college, but coached at a high level. Uh, in the NBA has grinded his way up. So you would expect his son to have, uh, you know, the same kind of, you know, grind, the same kind of skill set in terms of the the skills, the, the the development of his game. So, and he talked about that during the broadcast about how um, his time playing down, I think he said in Mount Vernon uh, was important. And, and again, a player that I was surprised how much Orlando liked him because I liked him coming into this draft. I did not think he'd go 11, but, after a slow start in the summer league, I thought he played really well. It was weird with Black. I feel like this was Black's worst game. Like, I think there were, there were games earlier this year where he scored more. Um, I think maybe he ran out of gas a little bit. He looked a little tired to me. The Knicks did. I thought they did a pretty good job. of. They picked up a lot of full-court pressure, and, and, and you know, I think they kind of frazzled did, him maybe a little bit. Did you like him coming out of school? Did you think he'd be a mid-lottery player? I like, yeah, I liked him. I, I I thought he went probably where around where I thought he should go. Okay. Um, I think he, he reminds me a lot of Kyle Anderson. And some people may say, well, why are you kicking him at six? This is, if you can get a guy as good as Kyle Anderson, like sure. that's a really great, that's a really good player. Like, um, and, and to me, I think the difference with him though, is he has a much higher defensive upside. So, um, cause, cause he's, he, he's, I think he's a little longer than Anderson and he can guard legit point guards. Like he, like, Cal Anderson's, you know, a small four. Anthony Black can guard, you know, one through three, maybe one through four. It's a small ball force. So uh, I like the Orlando pick. So it's weird with the guards they have because they already yeah. got Cole. They already got um, uh, Suggs. But I, I Fultz is still there. They're going to have to consolidate at some point. I don't know when that's going to happen. But the one reason why I like Black going there was because he can play any – he's like an amoeba. He can play any position. So even if he comes in and says, okay – we know you're a point guard, but we're not going to play that point initially. That's fine. He can play off the ball and be like a defender guy, a guy who's kind of playing a secondary ball handler. Like he can excel in that role as well. As an aside, are you surprised as I am that Suggs hasn't been impactful in the league yet? Did you? <sighs> yeah, it's tough because I'm a Gonzaga guy. I, yeah. I'll be honest. Like I'm not stunned. Okay. And I say that only because as much as I liked Suggs as a player and as a Gonzaga player, because he took us in that change the game. But the problem I saw with him was jump shot was a little spot spotty. It wasn't consistent. It wasn't consistent in college. It hasn't been consistent in the NBA. And I thought his one-on-one handle and his one-on-one shot creation was a little overrated. Um, he's really fast. So like he's able to blow by guys with his raw speed. But is it, but like there are a lot of really fast guys and a lot of guys who can guard really fast guys in the NBA. So I felt he needed a little more in his bag, and I think that he's kind of learned that very quickly in this league. Now he's gotten injured a lot, yeah. so that's been a big part of it as well. I thought he had some really good moments this year, so I'm thinking that he may actually surprise people in year three. I think he he played a lot better I thought this year than he did in his rookie year in the time that he was playing when he wasn't hurt. But um, but no, I'm not I'm not shocked. I know a lot of people thought that he was almost like a a slam dunk. In that spot, I, I, I didn't think he was slammed though. I, I thought he could be a really good player, but no, I'm not shocked that uh, at, at, at Suggs kind of being 
maybe on the fritz, considering, again, they drafted the point guard uh, so high this year. They got to consolidate at some point. I'm not sure what they're going to do, but they, you know, as you mentioned, Fultz and Black and Suggs and and, and Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony, yeah. Yeah, so Knicks get a win. Uh, Again, it was was good to see a Knicks win in Summer League. We'll see if they get any more. They have two more games left uh, to go in Vegas before they wrap up there. So uh, we've seen uh, a bit of a lull in activity in this this NBA offseason as teams begin to settle in with their rosters following the early July editions. But the Knicks are reportedly still looking to offload one of their vets. Yahoo Yahoo Sports uh, Jake Fisher says rival execs tell him that the Knicks remain, quote, engaged in trade avenues for veteran shooter Evan Fournier and the Knicks are amendable to doing so as part of multi-team frameworks. So Fournier is entering the third year of a four-year $73 million contract. He's owed a guaranteed $18.8 million this upcoming season. He has a team option for $19 million the following season. Fournier began uh, the year as a team starting shooting guard, which he was the previous season. But a slow start and poor defense relegated him to the bench in early November. After a rough stint in a reserve role, Fournier was taken out of the rotation completely on November 15th and saw little action the rest of the season. He averaged just 6.1 points per game on 33% shooting, 30% from three in 27 games last year. After the Knicks were eliminated in the playoffs, Fournier said, quote, my season was over a long time ago. It took me a good month to understand that. Obviously, there's going to be changes and I'm going to get traded. That has not happened yet. Changes have happened, but he has not been traded. So, uh, Tommy, first, uh, do you think it is smart for the Knicks to use Fournier in a potential three or four team deal? That's the way Jake Fisher describes in this report. 100%. And that's the reason he's still on the roster. And, uh, you know, and uh, because the return of the expiring, the return of the expiring contracts having value um, is one of the byproducts of this new CBA. Um, you know, there was a point in time where, you know, you didn't, you know, there was Theo Ratliff's expiring contract was a thing. And, um, yeah. you know, like a, a decade ago where you needed those kind of expiring contracts, they complete deals. Um, it wasn't so it wasn't as necessary as teams had excess cap space and the teams weren't worried about being hard cap. But now with the new CBA ramifications um, where you can't exceed a certain limit, where you're hard capped, if you use your middle of exception, et cetera, there's a lot of language there um, that makes it a little more difficult in terms of matching salaries. And having that expiring salary is, is, is appealing to teams um, looking to uh, on either, you know, facilitate trades or be a third partner in a trade, either dump Evan Forney's contract and make other salaries match. And then you benefit by getting a pair of second round picks, something along those lines. Um, so I think for that reason, and also the, the, the most obvious and, and um, is it doesn't look like there's anything on the horizon, but you never know. We're one Woj bomb away from Embiid saying, I've had it with this James Harden nonsense. I right. want to be treated. <laughs> um, you know, Luca, you know, I, I can't believe they re-signed Kyrie. You know, all that stuff is incredibly unlikely. The Embiid a little bit more likely than others. But, um, again, who knows where the, the next superstar, um, does Donovan Mitchell say, listen, uh, you know, it's was, it was fun in Cleveland, but they're not going to, you know, in an interview kind of offhanded way, put some pressure on the Cleveland front office. Um, having that contract in your back pocket makes – those deals far more easier to consummate. Yeah, I mean that's interesting. I the way I took this reporting from Jake was to me the whole big story, the storyline of the offseason right now is this Damian Lillard Miami Heat Portland Trail Blazers standoff where Damian Lillard is making it well known that he wants to go to the Heat and only the Heat 
and the Heat are making it clear they want Damian Lillard, and the Blazers are making it clear that they don't like the uh, Heat package, which means that a third team or maybe even a fourth team may have to be involved to finally get Dame Lillard out of Portland. I think hearing that the Knicks are amendable to using Fournier as part of multi-team frameworks when the whole big story of the offseason is a multi-team trade that is trying to be accomplished, I wouldn't be surprised in a month or a couple of weeks or maybe this week or whatever that Dame thing figures out that maybe the Knicks try to find a way to get in to that uh, situation and to offload Evan Fournier um, in order to just offload his contract or maybe I don't know if they they get a great player in, in return for him. I, I would be surprised by that, but I, I'm I'm now keeping an eye out on the Knicks and wondering whenever this Dame Little thing shakes out, is Evan Fournier involved in some way as a as a as a as an expiring contract to help the Blazers perhaps be more enticed to take on a Heat package um, in that situation? That would be something I'll be looking at. Yeah, it's fascinating to see how this plays out. I saw the couple days. I've seen some, you know, should the Thunder get involved, they have more assets they can send Portland away that obviously would um, fulfill Portland's need. I mean, essentially, the Thunder, you know, we talked about the Magic having to consolidate their guards. The Thunder are going to have to consolidate all those draft picks. I mean, it looks great yeah. in theory to have 15 draft picks over the next five drafts, but what happens when you actually have to fill out roster spots? You're not going to yeah. cut Gilders Alexander and Giddy <laughs> and all these other guys that need to on, Jayla Williams. and uh, The list goes on and on to, to make room for these draft picks. So are you going to trade three draft picks to, you know, know from you know 12 15 and 17 to move up to 10 I you know something like that is feasible but at some point in time they're gonna have to make those decisions so trading for a stud um is Dame and Shea a, a, an ideal fit not really they kind of both need their ball in their hands that that's when they're most effective but I'd love to see them take a crack at it the other one that I saw today on Twitter which made a lot of sense I thought um was a Toronto deal in which the Raptors trade um the, the, the key parts are um, Scotty Barnes, Gary yeah. Trent, and two draft picks for uh, for Dame, which I think makes sense. You know, Jerry has always been one to, you know, he did the, obviously, the the, the famously the Kawhi trade um, that mm -hmm. netted them a championship. He's never been afraid to trade for a star player that makes a team competitive at the moment. Um, you surround Dame and, and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi. Um, and Yaka Pertle, they just brought back. Like That's a legit team that can, can make some real noise in the Eastern Conference. Um, would it be devastating to trade Scotty Barnes? Absolutely. Um, even though he's, you know, looked like an absolute monster his, his rookie season, um, I think it was a little bit disappointing um, in, in terms of his progress. Yeah, he plateaued, he plateaued a bit last year. A little bit. So, you, you know, is he, go, is he going to take another step forward or is he kind of, this is where he's going to be at? That's something the Raptors would have to decide. Obviously, it'd be tough to trade him, but um, I think that's something. And then if you're, then if you're if you're Portland, is that enough to get back from Dame? You know, you're, you're investing heavily right. um, in Barnes. But I think that was probably the closest you're going to get um, to a legit, you know, guy that can be one of the 15, 20 best players in the NBA um, in his prime and, you know, a couple of draft picks. So my my uh, my hunch is and then obviously the Raptors have to, you know, is would Dame show up? I just don't see Lillard, a guy who's built a career you know, professing his professionalism and to his credit has been yeah. nothing but the consummate professional, yeah. um, you know, showed up, done his work. He had some injury issues, but never sat out back to backs, et cetera. Loves to play the game. I don't see him going to, especially competitive. Okay. C might be a little bit weird, um, but a, you know, a situation in Toronto where they would be, you know, 
at worst the third, fourth best odds to come out of the East. Um, you know, yeah. real fighters' chance to, to advance to the NBA Finals. I don't see him just quitting and one not showing up and two sacrificing 150 million dollars. So my sense is that like before the start of camp, I think the the Blazers are handling it well right now. Um, you know, doing what they should do. They have a responsibility to the franchise, not just to, to Dame Lillard. Um, they obviously they want to do what's best for him, but they want to do what's best for the team as well. Um, I think it's something like we'll hear something weird um, because I, I don't know if Miami has the pieces to, to improve their package. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Blazers really are handling as well because like the Heat don't have the best package in theory as long as other teams get in. Now, I think what we're seeing is Damian Lillard's agents trying to uh, depress the market for him by telling these other teams yeah. that Damian Lillard will, will be very unhappy right. if he gets traded there. My thing, if I was another team, I'd be like, so? <laughs> I'm like, he's going to have to show up. Like, what? Like, what is it? He's gonna, is he really going to pull a Ben Simmons? A lot of people like, are he, unhappy when they go to work. They still go to work, you know? Right, exactly. I mean, is he going to pull a Ben Simmons? Is Damian Lillard the guy who's all about, you know, as I said on uh, CBS Sports Radio today, Mr. Hustle, loyalty, respect like John Cena. Is he really going to pull a Ben Simmons and say, I'm not going to show up? What if, like, come on. We know that's not happening. So uh, that none of this stuff I'm hearing would deter me if I was yep. the Thunder or any of the other teams in trying to get into this Dame Lillard sweepstakes. You mentioned the Thunder. I just give people context of how many draft picks the Thunder have in just the next few years. The Thunder have four first-round picks next year. That includes their own. A Clippers are protected, a Jazz top 10 protected, so maybe that's on the Fritz that they'll get that one. And a Rockets top four protected, which, again, maybe on the Fritz, but both of those teams should be improved this year. So you would which think is, that which, they, which is they why may I, get all four. Which is why it's important. That's why the Rockets signed were so motivated to sign Van Vliet. Right. Dylan yeah, they don't want to give away another top, top four pick. Correct. So if you're the Rockets, you had a choice to make. Are you going to be awful and make sure you have one of the forest records and then right. pray for good luck? Yeah, you, get, you know, and, right. and, or you know, try to be the 15th seed because if you're the five, six, seven slot, that's that's when you really get hurt. So I still right, exactly. that, that being said, I thought the Dylan Brooks contract and the fact that they had to trade those first round picks to clear space, it, it was a terrific allocation of assets. But that's that, that was at least the the Rockets' rationale. So you got those four first round picks next year. You got two first-round picks uh, coming uh, the following year. They have their own pick. Then they have this weird Rockets-Clippers swap where I think they get the best version of either of those teams. Uh, oh, sorry, they have three. Oh, no, they have four this year, too. They, I'm, see, this is how confusing this is. But they have four coming in 2025. So you got their own pick, this swap with the Rockets and Clippers where they get the best of either of those teams. Then they have a Heat 20, top 14 protected. And then they have a Sixers top six protected. So you, it seems they would get at least three of those. Um, if the Heat, they'll probably get four because he's probably gonna make the playoffs for sure. So you're looking at four first round picks that will all likely convey in 2025. Um, and then you're talking about three more uh, first round picks in 2026. So you see where this is going. Like you know, I mean, you're talking about. Uh, I, I just listed off what like nine, ten first round picks in the next three years. I mean, you can't have ten can't. new first round picks on your roster. So just, just the next something's gonna have to happen. Only- yeah. Only six of the eight convey. I mean, are you going to have two six first, first round picks? On, on, you know, there's a guaranteed contract, so you can't put them on two ways. Um, you know, what's your bench <laughs> going to be? Just they, they're going to, you know, and and then and they're and they're going to be competitive. You know, they sh- they made the the play in last year. They should be around a forty win team this year. So it's at some point they got to do something. Yeah, I mean, you got to think that Sam Presti is going to make a big move at some point. And when that happens, and if that happens, I think Leon Rose will be in the cut, saying, "I do have Evan Fournier here for anyone." 
who's looking for an 18 19 million dollar relief on a deal because they can't find a way to fit a contract now just send us over maybe a first round pick uh ourselves or send us something over that we could use and evan forney could be yours so i think the knicks are handling this correctly um i will be curious to see how willing they will be to put Fournier in a deal like this and not have it be them getting like you said an Embiid or a luca or or will they say, you know what, like if we got to unload Fournier, we got to unload Fournier. We're fine with being just like the third wheel here or fourth wheel here in one of these deals. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I, you know, I think there's a, you know, there's there's a decent chance he's still on the roster. At, I was going to ask that. Yeah. Yeah. Even by the start of the season, you know, training camp, I, I, I should say, I think there's a difference between him being on the roster on the first day of the season and him being in a Knicks uniform the first day of the season. I could see. Yeah. A situation where they say, "Listen, thank you for your service. Go chill, uh, you know, on uh, you know, in the Hamptons for a while. Hang out in your apartment, um, and then if they, you know, because they're going to keep their options open, hold on to that expiring contract, and then should the deadline, you know, arrive and pass, and they still haven't found the deal, then to agree to a buyout, let them join the Spurs to mentor Wemby, you know, something along those lines." <laughs> We're joining contender uh, for the final two months of the season. Um, but again, the Knicks aren't just going to give up uh, the potential value of an expiring contract uh, to, to keep the player happy. Yeah, I think you might be seeing, be seeing a Jay Crowder situation with uh, Evan yep. Fournier yep. where he gets sent home or John Wall with the Rockets. Right. He just gets right. sent home. And even if he's still on the roster, he's not actually with the team. So uh, we wrapped this episode. I was bringing back another segment that we all know and love. This week in Knicks history and today, uh, we don't have to go very far to remember this important moment. It was July 12th of last year that Jalen Brunson had officially signed his contract to become a New York Knick. Uh, Brunson's contract, a four-year, $104 million deal, was controversial at the time with some fans and experts saying the Knicks overpaid for a player who was undersized and had spent just one season as a full-time starter in Dallas, but Brunson Proves all the naysayers wrong, posting career highs in points, assists, and three-point shooting in his first year in New York, helping the Knicks reach the second round of the playoffs for the first time since 2013. Brunson finished third in the NBA's Most Improved Player Award voting, and is expected to be a key piece for Team USA as they head to Asia for the 2023 FIBA World Cup. So what a year, a difference, uh, what, what a year, what a difference a year makes for Jalen Brunson last year, he signs this deal. There's a lot of uncertainty surrounding exactly what kind of impact he'll have on the Knicks. Then you come a year later, he's the center of the franchise. He is being talked about by Steve Kerr as being the centerpiece for Team USA. He come finishes third in the Most Improved Player Award, and he's seen as one of the best point guards in the NBA. So take you back a year later, Tommy. You see... At this point, we had heard that Brunson agreed to the deal. But then you see the graphic. You see the press release from the Knicks. And you know they weren't going to do no real press conference until the next day where they did that weird uh, town hall, whatever they called it. Either way, uh, you see the press release signing. Jalen Brunson signed with the New York Knicks. What were your thoughts when you saw that cross? Sure. So initially, let's call it uh, a month before the start of free agency, um, uh, admittedly, I was on the fence about a Brunson signing. My assumption was the Knicks would have to go close to the full max they could offer to get Brunson to leave Dallas. Because 
my assumption was Dallas would want to keep him, so they'd offer five years, 140 million, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, so my assumption was the Knicks would have to go four years, 100. I think the max they could, the, the, the most they could offer was like 128 million or 127 yeah. million over four years. So I was a little bit on the fence. You know, is it is is this player worth that amount? Um, you know that that, that you know uh, you know that that type of cap commitment. I still would have been. I still would have agreed to the signing if I was New York. Again, uh, assuming that the other p- point guard targets didn't didn't pan out, I thought Tyrus Jones was one of the guys they would look at. You know, could get him at like ten million a year. Some other options. Um, but the 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 issue being, my only concern with Brunson being that it might be a little bit of an overpay because they would have to go because they would have to offer the most they could due to da- due to the Dallas restraints there. Um, so. When I first learned that the Knicks had agreed to a contract and it was only 104 million, I thought it was a great signing for the a very good signing for the Knicks. When we later learned that not only was it just 104 million, that it had de- de- decelerating, decreasing annual payments, um, mm-hmm. that w- which will pay Brunson less than 25 million dollars each of the next two years, I thought it was an incredible signing. Um, the one negative being that there's a player option at the end, um, which is which is when. Brunson's going to cash in and, and be in, in, you know, and, and be a max player. Um, so when the Knicks initially signed them, I, I thought it'd be a very good signing, obviously a massive upgrade over the likes of Alfred Payton and the, and the dregs the Knicks had, you know, had, had started at point guard. We, we've all seen the list of starting point guards the last decade. Um, <laughs> you know, the Alonzo Triers, the Shane Larkins, you know, these type of guys. Yeah. Um, that being said, I never would have suspected Brunson to emerge as not just a good player, not just a great player, but one of the best players in the NBA, one of the best offensive, I should clarify, one of the, if not one of the best, most efficient offensive players in the league. Um, not only did he do it in the in the regular season, but it's a proven now, two postseasons in a row, a yeah. proven playoff performer. Um, here in New York, we know the difference between a guy that puts up good numbers in the regular season and then can't quite deliver on the big stage in the playoffs. Right. And uh, we don't have to mention any names, but we know who that that two-time All-NBA, two-time All-Star guy is. Um, so, for, so for Brunson to step in and, and establish himself on that level and produce to the extent that he did, as efficiently as he did, um, really was incredible. And then you get the, all the other ancillary benefits, the leadership. Um, you know, we you know just compare him to the the other diva point guards. I mean, you know, the the the, the Kyrie Irvings of the world, the James Hardens demanding trades. Um, even Dame, who was amazing, has now demanded a trade. Um, so when you have that kind of culture culture setter, tweeting last night where the pickup games in New York. Um, you know, just somebody that's embraced the city. Um, just so much to love about that signing, and it really can't be overstated how important it was um, for the direction of the franchise. Yeah, I mean, I think you said it said it best in terms of just how important this whole move was. I think for me, I remember, I feel like Brunson was such a weird case for me because I remember, you know, hearing, you know, some of this I blame on Woj because remember on draft night, you know, it was, you know, the Knicks are moving all this stuff in order to make a max offer yes. to Jalen Brunson. So when you hear those words, Considering what Brunson had done at that point in time, a lot of people were upset, including myself. That I said, I can't, as I said, can't move heaven and earth for Jalen Brunson, right. in my opinion. I thought at that time. Now I would have moved heaven and earth to pay him the full max, but that's how I felt at that time. But then you kind of slow down. I didn't really care about the first round pick. I didn't care about it then. I don't care about it now. So that wasn't as concerning. I was just concerned that this was the player that Nick was targeting. And my 
beef, beef was, it, are you doing this because you really think Jalen Brunson is a star, or are you doing this because his name is Jalen Brunson? Like, he, he's so close to the GM, so close to the coach, and that had this guy been Jalen Dunson, maybe he wouldn't be a Nick. That was my whole thing. Then I, you know, I said, all right, well, this guy's going to be a Nick, and I got to go, I got to watch this guy's games. I got to really sit down and watch some of his games from last season. And I'm watching these games he had in the playoffs. I'm watching some of these regular season games, and it was immediate to me that this guy was going to be a difference maker. Now, I was worried about his defense, and that's why I kept yelling, you cannot start Evan Fournier. Of course, Tibbs started him anyway. But I was like, <laughs> I was like defense is a problem, but this guy is an offensive juggernaut, and he's going to be a big upgrade. Then when you see the money come down, like you said, you say, okay, that is a much more reasonable deal than the full max that Woj have been talking about on draft night that Knicks have done all this maneuvering in order to get to. They didn't have to do that. In fact, they used the rest of that money on Isaiah Hardenstein, who also ended up being a good piece for yep. the Knicks last season. So I think going back last year, I was like, okay, I'm excited. I was excited to just not have terrible point guard yes. play for the first time in years. That was one thing I was super excited about. Yes. And then to come back again a year later and see – what Jalen has become, I don't think anybody could have expected him to be even this good. Like, do I think he could average 20 points a game? Yes. Do I think that he could uh, move the Knicks towards the playoffs? Yes. Do I think he could make them a top five seed and have them in the second round of the playoffs where he's averaging 30 points in the second round against the Miami Heat? Um, he's putting up big numbers against some of the best teams in the league, averaging 24 points for an entire season? No. I, I, I don't think anybody could have expected that. And I don't know if you saw, I was looking for the quote. I couldn't find it. I, I, I want to say maybe it was Zach Lowe, but if it wasn't Zach Lowe, forgive me for whoever had it. But um, he said that, I guess, the word around Nick's brass is that the player that they we saw Brunson play like in this year's playoffs is a guy that they think they will have all season next year. Like, they think we Brunson played great during the regular season, but we, he clearly tapped into an even higher level in the playoffs. They think that we're on the precipice of seeing a guy who can average 27, 28 points a game in the league like he did in the playoffs. Like, do you think that that's a level he could reach this year? And what do you think about Nick's brass feeling that that's the player they have, that the guy you saw in the playoffs dominating the Cavs, dominating the Heat is the guy that we're going to see for, you know, maybe not 82 games, but, you know, 65, 70 games next year and postseason? Yeah, see, that's the thing where the Tibbs aspect worries me. I, I think he can if he wanted to, but, like, LeBron could have led the league in scoring every year of his career too, but he chose to play a game that, you know, to, to kind of maximize his ability to score when he needed to score, um, to pass when he needed to pass. That So I, I'd like to see – I really wouldn't mind Jalen Brunson's scoring average decrease next season mm-hmm. if that meant his minutes played per game decrease, especially if you sign uh, quickly to a contract, which is one of the reasons why I think you should overpay if you need to for quickly. Um, so you have some insurance. I don't want to see Brunson worn out. Um, you know, he did all that with a bum ankle in the in the postseason against Miami and basically drawed right. himself to the finish line. I'd rather things just kind of, you know, organically develop, you know, let me, you know, make a conscious decision to limit playing time, not treat every game in February and, and, and March and January as a must win do or die game. Again, that's kind of the dichotomy. That's the yin and yang of Tibbs, the pros and the cons is. You love him because he squeezes the absolute most juice out of every single second, every single game. But how does that benefit you franchise long term? You know, Brunson's right. 26, you know, so we want to keep him healthy for the postseason, um, want to keep him healthy long term. So those are the things that 
um, I would look into. Uh, but, you know, again, to your point, um, I, I think the ceiling's there. You know, a, a buddy of mine, we were texting the other day, and um, he asked me, you know, and I thought it was a good question, how many guys in the NBA – would you trade Brunson for, you know, like there's not mm. that many, I mean, <laughs> if you want to rank them, you know, it's, it's, he's not going to get ranked as high as those others, but if a team calls you up and says, listen, we'll give you this guy, you know, we'll give you our guy, you give us Brunson. There are not that many players where the Knicks automatically say, yes, you know, let me, so, so here's what I did. I just pulled up. Um, I typed in, you know, top 20 players and here's a CBS way too early 2024 um, player ranking. You tell me that I'll give you the guys one starting at Jokic. Jokic Nuggets, you know, obviously are not going to trade Jokic and, and, and the Knicks would love to get Jokic for Brunson. Giannis, you'd much rather Brunson. Doncic, you'd much rather Brunson. Tatum, I assume you'd rather Tatum than, than Brunson? Yeah. I Wait, you said Doncic? I'd rather have Brunson over Doncic? I'm trading no, 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 Brunson. Doncic is a guy you'd rather have. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. I got that flip. So, yeah, yeah. So Jokic, so Tate- Giannis, Don, Don, yeah, Jones all those guys I would trade for. Tatum. Yes. Uh, I think you'd rather have Tatum, right? Younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd rather have Tatum. Uh, Part of me, he, I saw that he, I saw he's gonna get three hundred million at his next max. And that, that's why I paused, but he's still so dynamic offensively. You still gotta do it. Embiid. Right. I, you got. I mean, we're we're not going to. If that op- trade opens up, he's not gonna get traded for Embiid. But, right, 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 right. But right, but, uh, but I think you would if if. if if all things were were equal, yeah. How about this? If the Sun said we'll give you Durant for Brunson, who would you rather have? I'm not trading Durant for. I'm not trading Dale Brunson for Durant. Not that age. Not that age. Right. I mean that. That's what not I'm that talking age. about. Yeah. Um, Shea Gilders Alexander for Brunson. Who says no? Thunder. I think you're right. I think Thunder. the Knicks might say no though too. I'm not. Not sold on on Shay. Shay is a stud. I mean, I love Shay. So that's I mean, I'm a Shay. I mean, Shay is is a is a killer. By the way, you mentioned the trade value stuff. You know, Bill Simmons does his annual trade yeah, value yeah. ranking. Did he do it this year yet? He yes, he did it this year. He did it uh, last month. Twenty one. He's listed in the Group E, which is labeled. Let me save you some time. F U C K N O. <laughs> I don't, I, who's the who the twenty guys he had ahead of him? So he's in a grouping where he's uh, he's a grouping. He's already ahead of Donovan Mitchell and Jock Giddy. Those are the guys that are 23, 22. That says a lot already. But then the guys that are right yeah, below him yeah. at twenty is Anthony Davis. At nineteen was De'Aaron Fox, and that was the end of that group before you got into the oh, budding franchise guys, where you had Paolo, Tyrese Halliburton, Evan Mobley, Bam Adebayo. I would not trade. I would not trade Jalen Brunson. I would not trade him for Anthony Davis. That that I definitely would not do. I wouldn't trade him um, for Fox either. I wouldn't either. I also wouldn't trade him for Halliburton or Bank Carroll. That's tough, man. That's I think Bank Carroll. I think Bank Carroll is a lot more. Bank Carroll is really good, and he hurt the Knicks this year some of those games. I'm not convinced he's like. This ten-time All NBA guy, like I, like I, the guy can score. He can rebound. Yes. He doesn't really defend. He'll be a ten jump shots a little spotty. He'll be a 12, 10 time, twelve-time All Star, but I don't know if he'll play in a conference finals like that. Right, like right. So like, so am I like giving up my franchise point guard for him right now? Not yet. Now he may show me something. I say okay, he's there, but like I, I I'm not all there with him. I'm not trading Evan Mobley. I'm not trading for Evan Mobley. That's what I saw in the playoffs. No. Um, no. 
damn. I don't know. This is a this list is very interesting. I mean, uh, and then Jaron Jackson. That's when you get to the superstars. Now you talking about Jimmy Butler, uh, you know Jamal Murray, Joel Embiid. See, see, that's the thing. It, 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 Simmons has got Ben Carroll because of his unlimited upside. He's only twenty right. years old, but then he's got Butler, who's thirty-five. You know, so if you're he, Brunson's in the sweet spot, he's he's just entering his prime, but he's got a reasonable deal. Yeah, and he's on a reasonable deal. Reasonable deal for the next two years on, on an absolute steal of a the best contract in the NBA. Speaking of, and that's the one other thing while we wrap up this this Brunson conversation. Yeah, makes the Brunson signing, and it's it's important to talk about in context, especially if we rewind one year to the day. The other options the Knicks had was giving away everything for Donovan Mitchell or giving away almost everything for um, uh, Dejounte Murray which a lot right. of Knicks fans wanted to do. Three first-round yeah. picks the Hawks gave up for DeJounte Murray. So for the Knicks to get the better player and not give up a single draft pick other than, you know, you know the, the, the pick swap at 11 and you know, with OKC, yada, 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 they did have to do some maneuvering, but obviously not three future first-round picks. Um, and remember, DeJounte jo- Murray just re-signed on an extension with the Atlanta Hawks. He's making yep. more money than Jalen Brunson on his extension. He's yep. signed a four-year $120 million extension. So, and that was a, a veteran maximum extension that he signed. It was essentially the deal we were talking about with Jalen Brunson that we were trying to ask not to do. So, yes. essentially, you're talking about signing him to a more expensive deal yep. and trading all the first round picks to yep. get a worse player in DeJounte Murray. A good player, but yes, not good player. as good as Brunson. Um, and I, I, he seems he's shown some knuckleheaded tendencies. We saw him get suspended in the playoffs. Yep. Not maybe the character guy Brunson is at all either. That yes. would have been a massive mistake by the Knicks if they did that. And that was something I thought they should have did at that time. So I would have been yeah. dead wrong. I would have preferred Murray over Brunson, given everything. But you kept all your assets. You signed him to a cheaper deal. And he played better than Murray. I mean, he couldn't have worked out better for the Knicks. And that's and that's the thing when you talk about that Simmons trade value, like, is Boncaro going to impact your locker room the same way Brunson does? Is Evan Mobley going to impact your locker room the, the same way Brunson does? Like at some point in time, that that has to come into th- this decision and why the Knicks would be like, nah, we're good with you, your guy's great, but we're cool with our guy too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I when, it, when the list came out last month, I saw 21. I was pleased. I was like, oh, 21, that's really good. Like, you know, right. but right, then right. you really look closer. You're like, I mean, could he have been, you know, top 20? Could he have been top 15? Like, even some of the names that he had ahead of him. Yeah, well, I, even the names some of the names he had ahead of him. It has to be the highest Nick that's been on there since Mellow Prime Mellow. It has, has to be. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I know Bill. He does this list every year. Um, and, and, he's, and he hates the Knicks, and he hates the Knicks, so you got to factor that in too. He does, that is a part of Bill Simmons' thing as well. But um, but man, it just speaks to just how how yeah, awesome Brunson yeah, has been at this point, and how he's really changed the direction of the franchise. So yeah, we celebrate a year with Jalen Brunson officially as a New York Nick. And that's going to do it for this edition of Orange and Blue Bloods. Thank you guys again so much for checking us out. Of course, if you enjoyed this episode, you can catch all of our episodes on uh, uh, on web podcasts, including uh, the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto-download feature on your streaming service to get these episodes every time we drop. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube. You can find us on the WFN channel where you listen to this podcast and say, hey, I want to watch this episode. You can watch the whole episode on the WFN channel. Check us out over there as well. Tommy, let people know they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. And you can find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter. Action EJ on threads. 
Instagram, and TikTok. Thank you guys again so much for checking us out. Tommy, I'm EJ. Thank you guys. Peace.